As time passes, things go obsolete. They're no longer relevant. They don't work. In this series, Pastor Fred Price Jr. reminds us that even in this modern age, faith still works. Let's jump in. Uh, our foundational scriptures were Hebrews 11.6, and you don't have to go there. I'm sure you have them in your notes by now. But Hebrews 11.6 and Romans 8.8, 8, and we found out, uh, based on those two scriptures, the kind of law we were dealing with, whether it was physical or spiritual. And Hebrews 11.6 says, without faith, it is what? Impossible to please him or to please God. The scripture said, without it, which means if faith isn't there, if it's not in the equation, there's no pleasing God. It says, without faith, it's impossible to please him. Right, and then we went over to Romans 8, 8, and it said, so then those in the flesh cannot what? Please God. So we found out that without faith, it's impossible to please him, and those in the flesh cannot please him. So if those in the flesh can't please him, and without faith, it's impossible to please him, then when I'm in faith, I'm not in the flesh. When I'm in faith, I'm not, I'm not in, that's not, that's not the physical. Faith is not a physical law then. It's a spiritual law, because I can't be in faith and I can't be in the flesh at the same time. You know, we talked about faith and sin. Whatever is not of faith is sin, right? Sin brings what? Guilt and condemnation. Faith brings assurance and confidence. They don't coexist. And we looked at a number of things when we were last together. Uh, we were counting some things all joy. And James 1 Chapter 1, and we looked at the second and third verse, uh, we established, based on the rules and, and laws of the English language, that this was a complex sentence because it contained an independent clause and a subordinate clause, which means that what? That we're going to find two commas in this sentence. And uh, if, if the sentence is correct, then that means that whatever's in between the commas, I could actually take that out and the sentence should still flow. And so based on where the commas were placed, when we took out what was in between, it didn't make sense. And so when we looked at it, it said, my brethren, comma, count it all joy when you fall into various trials, comma, knowing that the testing of your faith produces patience, which would tell us what? That whatever's on the outside of the commas is the primary information regarding this sentence. And whatever's in between the commas is the secondary information. That information should bring more clarity to the primary information. Well, when we remove what was in the commas, I mean, the sentence read like this, my brethren, knowing that the testing of your faith produces patience, and we all established that doesn't make sense. I can't comprehend that. I, I don't understand that. That doesn't line up. So we realize that the comma should not be behind brethren, but it should be behind the word joy. Which is my brethren, count it all joy, comma, when you fall into various trials, comma, knowing that the testing of your faith produces patience, which means what? The secondary information is the when you fall. But what was God primarily telling us? He was saying, count it all joy, knowing that the testing of your faith produces patience or produces endurance. That's what I count all joy. Now that's going to happen when I fall into the trials, not if. But when the devil is going to come up against you, it is the devil that tests you. We found out God doesn't test you. He what? 
He proves you. We looked in the Old Testament and we saw it's not a, it's not a testing, but a proving. Scripture says uh, God tested Abraham. No, God proved Abraham. The English translators put the word test in there, but that's not the most accurate. It's a proving. God proves us. Remember, we found out there's no temptation that has taken us except such that is common to man. Oh, but we serve an awesome God. He won't allow us to be tempted above, uh, beyond what we're able. He has provided a way of what? Escape. And we found out it didn't make any logical sense for God to be the one testing us, to be the one putting the bad things on us, and be the same guy providing the escape. It didn't even make sense. Remember, we found out that you test something because you don't know what that something's going to do. You know, we've been in class for a month. I've been teaching y'all on, on, on algebra. I hope, you, I, hope, I hope you're learning something, but I really won't know until I give you that test. Then I'll get the test results and, and I'll give them back to you and you'll see how you did. So I don't know. I don't, I, I've been teaching you, but I don't know if you're receiving it. I don't know if you've been learning. So I got to test you. Well, God knows all things. God doesn't need to test us to find out what we're going to do. He already knows what we're going to do before the test shows up. So God doesn't test us. The devil tests you. The devil wants to steal your faith. God proves us. Doesn't need to prove anything to himself. God doesn't have to do anything to be God. He was God before all this happened. But see, like, you know, for like, for example, uh, he's given us the opportunity to be co-laborers, you know, co-workers with him. We're privileged. We're privileged people in regards to the things of God. So it's my brethren counted all joy knowing that the testing of your faith produces patience. We could read it like this. My brethren, when you fall into various temptations, tests, and trials, when that happens, count it all joy knowing that the testing of your faith produces patience. And so now we know what we should be counting all joy. I'm not counting the pain joy. Because I got to be honest, that's not joy. But I'm okay with what the devil brings me in the sense of you can bring it all you want. I know that the testing of my faith is going to produce endurance. So I'm going to go into this test. When I come out of this test, I'm going to look a little different than when I entered. Long lasting, durable. Now, what I want to share with you today, because we're talking about faith and, you know, God has dealt to every man the measure of faith. And, you know, faith is what we live and walk by. Without faith, it's impossible to please God. And so we see how important it is, something that we need. But we have to talk about something else because there are some people in the church that are waiting for some things to happen. And see, they're going to be waiting a long time. You know, we, we, we know that the scripture, doesn't the scripture say wait on the Lord? Yes. But you're still supposed to do something. See, the waiting is, is, is not like what you're doing right now, sitting in that, in that seat and not moving. That's, that's not waiting on the Lord. And some people are, they're doing that. They're waiting for their miracle. Now we got, we got to talk about faith and we got to talk about miracles. Because see, there's a difference. And we need to find out what the scripture says about a miracle. See, miracles, miracles, are, are, this is a unique situation. This is a unique subject. I'm going to say some things to you and at first, when you hear what I say, you may not agree with me, but I need you to continue listening. 
God is a miracle working God. Without a shadow of a doubt. He's a miracle working God. But you need to understand this church. God's children. Miracles are not what you live by. You cannot afford to wait on a miracle. Because guess what? When it comes to miracles, God is very clear about what his will is. His will is his word. If I open up the New Testament and I find something that the word says I am, then that's who I am. That the word says I can have, then, then that's what I can have. So in regards to healing, in regards to prosperity, it's the will of God that I prosper. It's the will of God that I be healed, that I walk in divine health. I have a covenant promise in regards to those things. Guess what? You do not have a covenant promise in regards to miracles. Now I'm going to take you to a verse, and you're going to see God's will in regards to miracles. It's not that he doesn't work them. It's not that he doesn't perform them. He does. He has that ability. But I can't sit around just waiting on a miracle. You don't want to get to that point to where you need a miracle. You don't want to be in that position. He's, he's given us faith to walk by, to live by. And we can deal with situations. So you got to understand this now. In regards to a miracle, a miracle is not something you do. That's something God does. All you can do is receive it. You can just be in that mode of expectancy. Now, understand this. I, Pastor Price Jr., I'm always in that mode of expectancy. In other words, God, if you want to work a miracle, go right ahead. I'm not complaining, but I'm not banking my life on that miracle. Now, see, I got to deal with this because, see, you're going to go home and you're going to turn on some of those Christian stations and you're going to go to some broadcasts, and they're going to be talking about miracles. And the, and the whole gist of it is about you receiving your miracle. You're not going to get any teaching. The Bible's not going to open up. It's just going to be talks about a miracle. And say, I got to do this one right here. This one bugs me. Because when you don't teach accurately in regards to miracles you got people all over the world all over the church they just they're doing nothing they let me tell you where their faith is their faith is in that broadcast their faith is 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 in when that minister comes on the screen and begins to talk about the miracle that's where their faith is it's nowhere else that's a dangerous place to be let me show you something in acts go to acts chapter 2 if I'm going to let the word come out of my mouth, I better go to the scriptures. And I'm going to say some things today. I am not coming up against anyone in particular, but I am coming against a problem. Because see, what I'm, what I'm upset, or what's in the Bible says, so I've decided I'm going to be angry. Scripture says be angry and sin not. So, so I'll pass on the sinning part, but I'm going to be angry. And you see, I, I, I hear some things, you know, certain, certain ministers are, are, are placed in a category, and then, you know, people like myself and, and my dad, we get thrown in over there with them. We don't even agree with what they talk about, but, but, but because we're word of faith, you know, 
We're all over there in that cult group. Look at Acts chapter 2. We're going to read a verse. And this verse is going to tell us something about our Lord and Savior. Now, if anybody is numero uno, it would be him. Look what the scripture has to say about him in regards to miracles. Acts 2.22. Let me show you how God works. This is how he does things. Acts 2.22. Peter speaking. He says, men of Israel. Crenshaw Christian Center East. Hear these words. Jesus of Nazareth. A man attested by God to you by miracles, wonders, and signs which God did through him in your midst, as you yourselves also know. The scripture didn't even say that Jesus did the miracles. It said God did them through him. God did the miracles through Jesus. Hmm, that's interesting. God did the miracles through Jesus? Absolutely right. Now you're going to see some places in scripture where you see the word miracles, and then we also see wonders and signs. Now, now there, there are three different Greek words, uh, but for the most part, they, are, they pretty much mean the same thing. Great acts, great acts of power, miraculous acts, supernatural uh, acts, wonders, signs, miracles. They're all in the same family. Now let's see what God's word has to say about this. Turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 12. See, I expect a miracle. I know God can, can perform a miracle. But I'm not waiting on that miracle because I could be waiting for a long time. Watch 1 Corinthians chapter 12. Are you there? Look here now. I say I'm dealing with this because, see, this see, is what we're exposed to in the church. You see. I don't have a problem with, with miracle oil, or miracle water, or miracle handkerchiefs. <laughs> so I don't have a problem with those things in themselves. I could take you to the scripture and, and, and show you some water, and show you some oil, and show you some handkerchiefs. It's the abuse of that. You're going to be in trouble if you're just waiting on that oil, and that's where your faith is in the oil. And if you don't get the oil, you don't get your healing. Ooh, you're in trouble. If you don't get the water, if you don't get the handkerchief, if you don't get the cloth, now they got the oil in three different flavors. <laughs> Handkerchiefs in different colors. Take the handkerchief, rub it on your finance, on your wallet, rub it on your bills. I'm not joking. This is this is serious. Now, I'm not saying that won't work, but if that's all you're giving the people, and that's it. You're not teaching them anything. You're not teaching them about faith. 
about them petitioning God, about them approaching the throne of grace. That's an injustice to God's people. 1 Corinthians chapter 12. Look here, Paul speaking. He says, now concerning spiritual. You see the word gifts in italics? That means it wasn't there in the original text. He says, now concerning spiritual gifts, brethren, what's Paul's desire? I don't want you to be what? Ignorant. Paul says, I don't, he doesn't want us to be ignorant regarding this thing. He wants us to know something. He says, verse 2, you know that you were Gentiles carried away to these dumb idols, however you were led. Therefore, I make known to you that no one speaking by the Spirit of God calls Jesus accursed, and no one can say that Jesus is Lord except by the Holy Spirit. He says what? I don't want you to be ignorant. Verse 4, there are diversities of gifts, but the same Spirit. There are differences of ministries, but the same Lord. And there are diversities of activities, but it is the same God who works all in all. Watch this. Listen now. But the manifestation of the Spirit is given to each one for the profit of all. Now he breaks it down. He says, he says for to one is given what? The word of wisdom through the Spirit. He says to another, the word of knowledge through the same spirit. He says to another, faith. Now we're gonna have to come back to this, aren't we? Because what's this faith? To another, faith by the same spirit. To another, gifts of healings by the same spirit. To another, the working of what? Miracles. To another, prophecy. To another, discerning of spirits. To another, different kinds of tongues. To another, the interpretation of tongues, look at verse 11, but one and the same Spirit works all these things, distributing to each one individually as who wills, as who wills, as I will, no, 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 no. as who wills, as he wills, what did it say? The Holy Spirit is the one distributing the gifts to us as he wills. See, these are nine gifts of the Spirit. I don't have any of these gifts. I don't own them. I don't possess them. The gift I have is the gift of the Holy Spirit. As a result of having the gift of the Holy Spirit, he lives on the inside of me. He happens to possess nine gifts that if he wills, he'll allow me to be used in one of those nine gifts. I don't have, uh, 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 I don't have prophecy. I don't own the gift of prophecy. So I can't prophesy whenever I feel like it. Maybe I should leave. I should See, it don't work like that. We are, if, you, if you're born of the Spirit of God, filled with the Spirit of God, you are in a position to be used by the Spirit to prophesy. But you don't own the gift. You don't only give. Gifts of healing. Now, yes, the scripture says they will lay hands on the sick and the sick will recover. That's a, different, that's a different kind of thing. Right here, we're talking about the gifts of the spirit. See, these are supernatural occurrences that take place that usually have the people in awe. That, that is the result of these gifts. We are in awe of what has just taken place. You see it in the, in, in the gospel. You see it in the book of Acts. When the gifts of the spirit were manifest, it was something incredible. 
Now, I don't own gifts of healing because if I own gifts of healing right now, somebody else would be up here teaching. I'd be in a hospital laying hands on everybody. There'd be no sick people. If I possessed this gift and I wielded it whenever I wanted to, don't work like that. Same with miracles. I'd be performing miracles all the time. We'd have miracle services all the time. If all I had to do, if, I, if this is my gift, huh, the gift that God has given me, I can use it whenever. No, it don't work like that. The gifts belong to the Holy Spirit. He distributes them as he wills. You've got to be in a position of expectancy. You've got to be saying to the Holy Spirit, hey, you need to use me? Go ahead, use me. But you don't, we don't own the gifts. Verse 11 says what? Same spirit. He works all these things, and he's distributing to each one individually as he wills. So when it comes to miracles, it is the will of God. You will only receive a miracle if it's God's will for you to receive a miracle. I didn't say it wasn't God's will for you to be healed. See, I have a promise in the covenant that I can go and grab that. I can receive that by faith. This is something different. So when you're sitting there and you're banking on a miracle, you're in trouble. And see, see we're not teaching on miracles, so we just think that a miracle just has to do with healing. But that's not what a miracle, a miracle is a temporary suspension of the laws of nature. Let me tell you what a miracle is. A miracle is when somebody gets out of a boat and walks on water. See, there wasn't no healing there. Wasn't no prosperity there. But the man was doing something that you can't do. That was a miracle. Did he not turn, turn water into wine? Maybe some of y'all see that every day. Y'all see that every day? Is that common? You see water turned into wine? But he did it, didn't he? Right? Miracle. Wasn't there a crowd of about 5,000 men and some other women and children? Whole lot of people, right? How much, how much food did they have? Two fish, five loaves? Some fish sandwiches, right? <laughs> um, um, how many fish again? How many loaves? I'm going to tell you right now, I'm not interested in sharing that. <laughs> I'm, knocking out, I'm knocking out one fish myself. Easy easy. We got 5,000 men. That's just the men. And we got women and children. Somehow, someway, God found a way to feed them all. Miracle. The laws of nature were suspended. In other words, same thing with the water. Jesus, Jesus basically tells the law of gravity, hold up for just a second. I get back with you. You need to be on pause for just a second. I'm going to just walk on this water, okay? The laws of nature were suspended. Something miraculous has taken place. Now the Bible does talk about a miracle of healing and we'll see that in a second. But all healings aren't miracles. Sometimes it's just a healing. Now we all have a covenant right to healing, a covenant promise to healing, but the miracle, that's as God wills. And if he wants to work a miracle, he'll work a miracle. Now he can't do it in a tainted atmosphere. See, the gifts of the Spirit could be operating every week. How come they don't? How come they don't? We don't get words every week. Huh? Huh? Prophecy doesn't go forth every Sunday. Huh? Different kinds of tongues and interpretation of tongues doesn't go forth every Sunday. Well, number one, it says the Holy Spirit wills, but, but I guarantee you, God has something to say all the time. 
But see, we come in here and we're just used to the norm and we get comfortable, so we're not expecting things to happen. See, you see some other stuff. See, see, it's not that they're expecting things to happen. They're trying to make stuff happen. And you, you can't do that. You can't do that with the gifts of the Spirit. You, you can't just make up a prophecy. I hear some of these prophecies and I want to I throw up. Uh, the word of the Lord has come upon me saying you are in need of something. Ain't that real general? That's real general. Really, I need something? Okay. It's, it, the word of the Lord has come to me saying you need to send $378 to get the rest of this prophecy. Look here. If you tell me call for my free prophecy or for my free handkerchief or for my free water or for my free oil. Look here, you are, you just located yourself. Why would you even put the word free in front of that? I'm only told about something free because sometimes it costs something. Today it happens to be free. You better get it today because tomorrow it could be $1.99. You can't just sling prophecies whenever you want and sling miracles whenever you want. It's as the Holy Spirit wills. Now, look at this. Uh, Acts 4. Go, go to Acts 4. Now, we all know about the, the, the gate beautiful. and Remember what Peter said? He said, you know, silver and gold, I don't have. He says, but what I do have, I give it to you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. All right, now what was that? That was, you know, was that a miracle or that was gifts of healing? Well, a lot of these gifts work together. Remember, we read about faith. Remember, we were looking at the gifts of the Spirit just a second ago in 1 Corinthians 12, and one of those gifts was faith. Now, wait a minute. We've been talking about faith this whole time. The Bible says what? The just shall live by faith. And for we walk by faith, not by sight. Is that the same kind of faith? No, that's not the same kind of faith. That's a different kind of faith. We know it is because he says, as the Spirit wills. Well, it's God's will that I walk by faith 24-7. So what kind of faith is that? When I was in school of ministry, my, 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 my teacher, he simplified it in this way. He said, that faith picks up where yours leaves off. See, that's a supernatural, special kind of faith. See, we already know what faith is, you know, looks at the unseen, calls those things that do not exist as though, as, as though they did. But that supernatural faith that, 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 that belongs to the Holy Spirit, that, that he could allow me to operate in that gift, that's that supernatural faith. That's that uh, raise up from the dead in the name of Jesus. That's that kind of faith. That's not something that happens all the time. So a lot of times the faith and the, because see there's, there's nine gifts and scholars don't know when it happened and, and, and when they decided to do it, but the nine gifts were bro broken down into three categories. There's, there's three that say something, three that do something, and three that reveal something. They call them revelation gifts, vocal gifts, or power gifts. So those three power gifts is, is supernatural faith, gifts of healing, and miracles. And a lot of times those gifts will work together. So we see here at the, at the gate beautiful, what, what, what does uh, Peter say? Silver and gold I do not have, but what I do have I give you, right? Acts 4.13, look what happens now. It says, when they saw the boldness of Peter and John... And perceived that they were uneducated and untrained men, they marveled and they realized that they had been with Jesus. Now, we're talking about miracles, but shoot, there's some revelation right here. You know, Peter and John, I, I like Peter and John. Scripture says they were uneducated and untrained. 
Looks like there's no excuse for success, huh? Verse 14 says, and seeing the man who had been healed standing with them, they could say nothing against it. It says, but when they had commanded them to go aside out of the council, they conferred among themselves. Oh, and what they said is hilarious. Verse 16. It says, what shall we do to these men? We got to do something with them. Look what he says. He says, for indeed. A notable miracle has been done through them and it's evident to all who dwell in Jerusalem and we what we cannot deny this thing it says a miracle took place a notable one this is an evident thing all throughout Jerusalem and guess what <laughs> we can't deny this thing it says but so that it spreads no further among the people why see there was a danger in that information being spread let us severely threaten them that from now on they speak, no, speak to no man in this name. Oh, my God. Look, look what that is. Are you seeing what happens here? These guys can't even say that Jesus doesn't exist. They can't say that there's no power in his name. They know that there's power in his name. They want to suppress the information so that it can't get out. Why? Because there's no denying it. You can't deny it. Verse 18, so they called them and commanded them not to speak at all, nor teach in the name of Jesus. But Peter and John answered and said to them, whether it is right in the sight of God to listen to you more than to, than to God, you judge. For we cannot but speak the things which we have seen and heard. So when they had further threatened them, they let them go, finding no way of punishing them because of the people, since they all glorified God for what had been done. Watch this. For the man was over 40 years old on whom this what miracle of healing had been performed. So the case with this man was a miracle of healing. But this is one of many types of, of miracles. This situation happened to be a miracle of healing. But every healing is not a miracle. Most healings is simply this. Me taking hold of the covenant. Claiming what's mine. What's rightfully mine. Receiving it by faith, praying the prayer of faith, petitioning God, knowing that he hears what I prayed, knowing that I'm going to have that petition. That's how most of us receive the things that we need in life. This right here, this is a miracle of healing. This is as the spirit wills. And let me show you, let me show you something else. Look at Acts chapter 8. Now, how many of you would say, especially being that a miracle is not something that we see all the time, you would say that whenever a miracle happens, that's a special event. Okay. That's out of the norm. Okay. All right. All right. Acts 8.26. Look, it says, because we're looking at, say, we're not just, we're not just talking about a uh, uh, financial and, and, and healing miracles which exist, which have happened in the past, are happening today and will continue to happen. But see, people that categorize miracles is just that. Miracles are a temporary suspension of the laws of nature. Here's one right here, Acts 8, 26. It says, Now an angel of the Lord spoke to Philip, saying, Arise and go toward the south along the road which goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza. This is desert. So he arose and went, Philip went. And behold, a man of Ethiopia, 
a eunuch of great authority under Candace, the queen of the Ethiopians, who had charge of all her treasury and had come to Jerusalem to worship, was returning, watch this, and sitting in his chariot, this Ethiopian eunuch was reading Isaiah the prophet. Wow, that's interesting. Philip just happens to run into this gentleman who happens to be reading what? Isaiah. Then look here. Then the spirit said to Philip, go near and overtake this chariot. So Philip ran to him and heard him reading the prophet Isaiah and said, hey, man, uh, you understand what you're reading? <laughs> and the eunuch is like, how can I? Unless somebody helps me out, unless someone guides me. And he asked Philip to come up and sit with him. Talk about a Holy Spirit appointment. How is it just happening that Philip's just, he's chilling. He's just wherever he's at. Here come this uni. Reading Isaiah. The spirit says, go and talk to this man. And the man's like, I'm glad you're here because I don't understand what I'm reading. Verse 32. And look, look at this. Look what he happened to be reading. Verse 32. The place in the scripture which he read was this. He was led as a sheep to the slaughter. And as a lamb before in sheer silence, so he opened not his mouth. In his humiliation, his justice was taken away. And who will declare his generation? For his life is taken from the earth. So the eunuch answered Philip and said, I ask you, of whom does the prophet say this, of himself or of some other man? The eunuch happened to be reading about Jesus. Watch. Philip opened his mouth and beginning at this scripture, preached Jesus to him. Now, as they went down the road, they came to some water, and the eunuch said, see, here is water. Shoot, man, I got saved. Can I get baptized too? Verse 37, Philip said, if you believe with all of your heart, you may. And he answered and said, I believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. He received Christ right there. Watch this, verse 38. So he commanded the chariot to stand still, and both Philip and the eunuch went down into the water. And he baptized him. Look at that. Look at that Holy Spirit appointment right there. Philip meets a eunuch, gives him some understanding on Isaiah. The man gets saved. The man gets baptized in water. Look at that. But here comes the miracle. Watch this. This, this makes no logical sense. Verse 39, it says, when they came up out of the water, the spirit of the Lord caught Philip away so that the eunuch saw him no more. What? Excuse me? What just happened? What just happened? See, see, you want to get a magnitude of this? Picture yourself as the eunuch. You get baptized, you raise about the water, the dude is going. You, you looking around, you wondering where Philip went. Since the Holy Spirit caught Philip away so that the eunuch saw him no more and he went on his way rejoicing. But Philip was found at Azotus. Man, how'd you get there? And passing through, he preached in all the cities till he came to, to Caesarea. What did I say? A temporary suspension of the laws of nature. The boy disappeared. Anybody see that often? You often see people disappear? Huh? Because the Spirit of the Lord caught him up. He was gone. Now, Jesus, he did miracles all the time. We talked about one last week at Thursday Night Bible Study, you know, when he was preaching in the synagogue, and they wasn't feeling that. So, you know, the, where do they take him? They take him to the, to the edge of the cliff, edge of the city. Here he is at the cliff. Everybody's behind him. And the scripture says Jesus went through the midst of him. 
How many times did they try to stone him? Unsuccessful. Miracles happen all the time. There's a multitude of miracles. And all of them are, 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 are suspensions of the laws of nature. In other words, the laws of nature are placed on hold. I'm standing on water. I should go down, but I don't. That's a miracle. Now, you, you already know just from those descriptions, that's not something you see all the time. That's not happen that, something that happens that occurs all the time. So we, we, we hear about miracles, but we don't hear what we're supposed to hear about miracles. You can't bank on a miracle. You, you cannot spend your life and seek miracles. You do that, you're in trouble. You do not want to get to a point to where the doctors can't help you, to where medicine does, to where if you don't get this miracle, then you die. That's not where you want to be. You get faith down, you'll never need a miracle. Now look at Acts 19. All right, I want, I want, I want, we're going to deal with these, with, with these handkerchiefs. No, I'm serious, we got to deal with these handkerchiefs because I'm going to take you right now to the scripture and it, it clearly shows us that handkerchiefs were used. So we know, that they, we know that, that, that they can be used. It's a fact. Scriptural evidence supports that a handkerchief can be used. That, that someone can be anointed with oil. Yes, they can. Now, I've been anointed with oil. I didn't like it. And I don't really think it was necessary for the situation. The sides of my face were, were messy and sticky. It was not a pleasurable experience. Acts 19. Are you there? Now, didn't we already establish that a miracle is something special? It's something unusual, right? Not, we don't see this all the time. So when we see the miracle happen, we're, you know, we're in awe of it, and we, know, we don't know when the next time will be that we see another one. So a miracle is a special occurrence, a special event, correct? All right, Acts 19.11. Watch the first few words. It says, now God worked unusual miracles. Just stop right there. What does that tell you? What does that tell you? What is a miracle by itself? So then what's an unusual unusual? It says Paul worked special, special. God worked special, specials. He worked special unusuals, unusual specials. What does it say? Unusual miracles. Miracles themselves are unusual. Miracles themselves are not common. God's now working something even more unique. What does it say? Now God worked unusual miracles by the hands of Paul so that even handkerchiefs or aprons were brought from his body to the sick and the diseases left them and the evil spirits went out of them. In regards to the handkerchief, the handkerchief wasn't even a miracle, was it? It was an unusual one. as uncommon as the miracles are. How uncommon would an unusual one be? And you got cats just abusing that. Just abusing that. I, I, I have a problem with that. And I'm not going to fight about it, but I'm going to go to the Word and see what the Word says. 
Miracles are as the Spirit wills. They're as the Spirit wills. They are as God wills. There's a difference between walking by faith and a miracle happening. We've been commanded to live by faith. And because of that faith walk, that lifestyle of faith, I can go to the covenant and make demands. But when it comes to miracles, this is as the will of the Holy Spirit. All right, let's go to Hebrews 11. Got a few minutes left. We dealt with this a while ago. Uh, I felt I jumped the gun when dealing with it, so let's see if we can get out of it now. All right. Hebrews 11.1 says what faith is, doesn't it? Okay. So if I asked you what faith is, you could just repeat this verse, right? And then you would tell me what it is. But how many of us understand it? In other words, what are you going to do with that definition? Scripture says faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. All right, the Bible tells me that that's what I walk by, that's what I live by. So, so I walk by the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. Well, what do I do with that? What, how, how am I supposed to apply that to my life? Well, let's, let's look at it piece by piece. All right, the reason why it starts off with now is because it's a continuation from Hebrews chapter 10. But let's look at the first three words. What's it say? Say it again. Say it again. So that means faith is what? Faith is what? Faith is when? Faith is when? Now, if it's tomorrow, it's not faith. If it's future tense, it's not faith. Faith is now. Look what it says. It tells us two things about faith. It says faith is the substance of things hoped for. It also says that faith is the evidence of things not seen. This scripture just told me that faith is actually something. The scripture says that faith is substance. It says that faith is evidence. Now we all know that we can contact substance. We all know that we can contact evidence. It says faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. All right, let's establish this. Faith is the key that operates everything in the kingdom of God. Faith is the currency of the kingdom of God. Faith is present tense. Faith is always now. If faith is not now, it is not faith, it will not work. For example, Mark eleven twenty four 24 says what? Whatever things you ask, when you pray, believe you receive them, 
and you will have them. When do I believe I receive? That's what I'm looking for. When you pray. And when do you pray? How do you know you pray now? How do you know that? Right. Every time you pray is now, isn't it? Every time you pray is now. Whenever you pray, it's now. When you pray tomorrow, when tomorrow comes, it's going to be what? Now. All right. So it says, whatever things you ask when you pray, believe you receive them and you'll have them. If you believe you receive what you've prayed for, then it's not that God is going to heal me. Not I believe God is going to heal me. You're dead. If you believe you receive, then I believe I receive I'm healed. I believe I receive my healing. I believe God has healed me. Not will. But it's a done deal because you believe you receive what you pray for. All right, we got to stop right there. We're out of time. We have to pick up next time. Thanks for listening. Our hope is that you received something that you could apply to your life and strengthen your faith. At Crenshaw Christian Center, New York, we believe that the Word of God is practical for everyday application. Feel free to stay in touch with us via social media, or you can give us a call at 212-749-9323. If you're in the New York area, you're welcome to join us at one of our services. Our Sunday morning service is at the New Yorker Hotel at 9.45 a.m. That's on 34th Street and 8th Avenue in New York City. Or join us for Bible study on Thursday evenings at our fellowship office, 470 7th Avenue on the 6th floor, right in Herald Square. Thanks again for listening, and remember, walk by faith, not by sight.